You are now checked in to Stand Up New York Labs. Oh, yeah. You're listening to Lust for Life with Mad Dog Mattern. All right, my people. It's time for Lust for Life. I hope everyone's excited. I hope everyone's throwing confetti over their head like Rip Taylor. Was it Rip Taylor or Rip Torn? It was Rip Taylor. Rip Torn was already on fucking Larry Sanders. All right, I'll get it right. All right, get ready. America's favorite podcast is voted on by Canadians. Everyone knows that. Stop being in denial. With me, my right hand. Everyone's favorite human being. Everyone? Yes. Benji Suswine, or as I like to call him, Ace Sweet, sweet, sweet wine. That's his name. That's what he goes by. Just learn to deal with the facts, baby. What up? Changed my uh, my Twitter handle. It's outstanding. <laughs> you should. I think you should get it tattooed. I think you should. That should be on your Tinder name. <laughs> it's my Tinder name. <laughs> be the best. On Tinder, do they use real names or is it all yeah, like bullshit? Yeah, first name. You have to. Because it, it goes through Facebook. It's a bunch of horse piss. I had a Tinder date last night. How did it go? Really well. Did you first not awkward one? Can I ask? I mean, I don't know if she's ever going to listen to this thing. Did, did, she's don't you bang right, right away? Don't you no, bang right away? We, we didn't. We didn't. We kept it classy. Damn it. How many dates do you think it'll take off Tinder? I think it depends on the person. People use it for different reasons. Some the, people are just looking to fuck. And some people, in their profiles, it says like, hey, not looking to just fuck. Does that also mean there's people who write in their profile? Just yes, looking, no. just looking to fuck. Whoever doesn't write ding, that ding. they're not, I think it it is. Oh my god, I should try it. <laughs> well, you know we're gonna do the date episode eventually. We are. So maybe I should go on Tinder and let it be known. God, now what if I do the date episode and it goes so well and she wants to bang there? Will you guys allow me in office while we're recording? No, after. <laughs> oh, I was saying because we can add. Oh, an, we have a couch a, now. We can, yeah, and we could add an extra one and a half minutes to the podcast though. <laughs> Look, back in the day, I used to be longer than that because I had a coming issue. I have family listening to this. I don't want them to hear it, but it's too late now. I used to, and then I quit jerking, and when I did, I would switch to the left hand, and that that made me better. And now I, I'm like a jackrabbit really? for the most part. I have a couple sexual partners that I can fucking go a little longer. Back in the day, I was the marathon man, but then I went pop, and then the girls were like, oh, my God, what's going on? And then I'd say, it's not you, it's not me, which is the worst thing to fucking say. Right. And no one believes that. No. What are you going to do? All right, before we get knee deep with this, okay. sitting in with us, guest hosting, one of my dearest friends of all time. I call him the Lake Show. The world knows him as Chris Laker. Yo. Thank you for coming. Yeah, no, this is, this is great. <laughs> I didn't know you, you had a problem. Women yeah. get upset if you don't come? Yes. They're like, why can't you finish? I thought that, well, then that's their fault, right? Well, that, yeah, that's why they get upset because then they think they're broken. Right. And then you got to deal with that. Well, they have to. I'm, but if you come too quick, they get all fucking. You can't uh, you win. Know, they get you all, just never win. They get, they get annoyed. They're like Goldilocks, right? Oh, this one's too this. This one's too <laughs> yeah, that. Exactly. Oh, just right. But they can't ever find just right. I don't know about what no one's no one's had a good sexual experience no with one's, a man before. No one's ever <laughs> have. No one. We're all broken, apparently. Even when they say women that say that they that it, they've enjoyed sex with me, I don't believe them. I feel like they're just saying it to to to, to make me feel better. Do you not think you're a good lay? I don't know. I got you. It's like, dude. It's like it's like have it's like driving or what. Everybody thinks they're good. You know what <laughs> I mean? It's like no, but nobody because nobody really tells you that you're bad. But I feel like how could I be good? 
I could tell in body language if they ain't feeling it. And I, I had a girl once tell me that uh, she left her boyfriend because he couldn't fuck. And that she well, kept she wanting should, to chill with yeah. me because I could deliver the goods. And I was wow. like, wow. Okay, so you got some positive reviews on Yelp. <laughs> I think I do all right. But I don't want to be the guy who out loud says that because it's kind of like the theory that I brought up uh, episodes ago about the tough dudes. Like it's a, Real tough dudes, if you ask them if they're tough, we'll just be like, I'm okay. Like our guest who's sitting here who we're going to bring in in a minute. Uh, Dustin, I know, can fight. My boy Dustin Chafin, he's going to talk about rebelling against his parents by basically uh, becoming a Mormon, going on a mission, which is the total opposite of what his like upbringing was, which was kind of rebellious and awesome. But Dustin, I know, can fight. And he would never tell you that. He would never be like, yeah, I can whoop your ass. Like, yeah, yeah. Right? Am I being right, Dustin? We. Well, that's what a good fighter does. Yes. You know He's not going to say it. That's right. Saying. Just <laughs> and, headbutt him in the face. That's it. And that's exactly, and I feel like dudes who say they can fight, I'll fuck you up. You ain't shit. That dude, they're peacocking. They can't fight. And I feel like, like if you can, it, guys who get laid a lot, don't tell you they get laid a lot. The guy who goes, hey, so how are you with the women? Oh, I'm banging pussy left the That dude is drier than the Sahara Desert. I think you're right about that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Dudes who are players are like, uh, how are you the women? I do all right. I make a living. <laughs> Dude, you got to keep your mouth shut. You can't, you yeah. can't, if you, if you, because if you talk too much, chicks hear it and then it's not, I mean, I never, because I'm not like, I never, I don't like setting up profiles, so I've never been like on like, like, okay, Cupid and stuff like that. I guess there you could just go around doing whatever. Yeah. So it's always like, but so it's, but when you're dealing with like actual people, you kind of have to play it a little cooler than that, you know? I mean that Tinder sounds. That's like is that that's like grinder for straight people. Yeah. Is that what that is? That's how yeah. I was told. So that's why no, we just can't have as much fun as gay people though. No, it's just like it's it's grinder if you don't have sex with everybody on on there. So <laughs> who cares? Right. It's a bunch of dates still. I got here early, <laughs> like I usually do to record, right? Yeah, because I like to eat my vegetables and get fired up. And there was a podcast before us, Kate Wolf's wonderful podcast, yeah. Going Deep, Going Deep about sex. They had a gay fella in here, and they were picking his brain, and it was very interesting how he was talking about, he's like, you straight people, you guys just don't fuck and just move on. Like, Kate was talking about how she needs emotion, and she needs to know right. your brain, and the gay folk don't care. It's, it's, like a, it's a battle royale. It's wrestling. It's like... It's the Royal Rumble. I'm number three. I get in. You threw me out of the ring. I'm out. That was good. Now, now let's get ready for WrestleMania. Well, That's I, what it is. I think it depends on the the you know group you're in. Like the drinking group I was in, it was like that. It was bang and go. Bang and go. Oh, absolutely. If you're a serious drinker, I think that's how it works. You know what I mean? Like bathroom sex, boom, boom, you're out. Like I never had relationships when I was a drunk. Right. I think it's a male yeah. thing also, though. We got a strong sex drive. So do women. No, they. Yeah, I know, but just so cocaine. Just Put think, a little bit of that in there. <laughs> I know, but like, uh, <laughs> women can produce what one kid every nine months. Men could have nine kids every day. So like, we we have that go 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 that I think naturally women don't have. I think they have a very strong strong sex drive. They but have it's different it, than what the men. Men, have. most men just don't know how to manipulate it. Okay. And make it happen. That's the problem. And the thing about the coming, I can't imagine you ever coming because you're. You know, unfocused. Like you got to be <laughs> thinking about like nine different things. Like, hey, did I record? Did I record Breaking Bad? What's going on? Do I got a spot tonight? And you're like, oh, hey, baby. We have discussed this, you and I, in the past when I was going through it. I think right. I can't imagine like, you you're, you're ever bro. just looking at titties and going like yeah. you got five things. I've in your gotten head. better with it though. It's gotten yeah. really good to the point where I'm almost embarrassed. 
Yeah. Like I said, I used to be this dude where girls, they're, they're scared because I'm not popping, but they're like, oh man, I mean, this is epic. Right. I mean, see, now I'm that guy. Now, yeah. Now, you know, but I want to hear your references. This is sweatier than a chimp eating a mushroom sandwich or something. <laughs> You and I do. I do that line that Woody Allen does in, in Annie Hall. I go, like Balzac said, there goes another novel. Like, I do that one. That that's a, that's a given. Also. That's a Hey, baby. That's the movie. He might be that's the, You have different movie quotes for sex? <laughs> I mean, it comes out naturally. No yeah. point of doing it. Mine's all from Airplane. That's what I do. <laughs> I think I got it wrong. If I don't do Woody Allen, all the other references are from Jackie Chan movies. I don't know if that works out. But too soon? Okay. Listen, um, so um, <laughs> this is the beauty of this goddamn show. Love it. We don't know. I had no idea we we're going to end up talking about coming, not coming, and Woody Allen references. It just came that way. All right? I didn't know. Pun we intended. put our, yes, pun intended. I didn't know we we're going to throw our guest on early. That's how we do it. There's no fucking rules. But we're going to take a break. We're going to bring in Dustin full on for the interview. <laughs> we're going to talk about this. Growing up in Texas, he's a rock and roll son of a bitch. As you can tell, he's... He's had some drinking days. He's had some wild days. He also was a, I almost said a goddamn Mormon. That would kind of not be the right thing to do, but I kind of just did it. Who cares? He was a Mormon, went on a mission, was not brought up in that, which is fascinating. We're going to talk about that. Take a quick break. I'm going to get the diabetes out of my penis, and I will be right back. And boom, we're going to get to this Luxor Life. We got the Lake Show. We got sweet, sweet, sweet Ace Dustin's coming in, Super Tramp in the booth. I am finally awoken up and I'm throwing my, my water bottle. Let's go. Woo! All right, my people. We is back. Lust for life. Changing lives. Starting one at a time, mine. I'm the first one changed. Let me just say this real quick. Um, the studio, I haven't been here in like a week, and now we have a screen mm-hmm. where we have great artwork that looks like some Banksy pictures. But I guess while I'm recording... <laughs> There's pictures of me on, you know, yeah, we so got a people it's me. Going. It's very weird. There's a big hairy face of me that's staring at me. It's very weird to ask questions. And as I'm doing this little rant, not a single picture of me has been saying. So it's really weird. <laughs> With yeah, we us. Got some spray paint. Got the graffiti on the other side also. It's, it's unbelievable. Cool. And everyone's blown away when they walk in here. Awesome. This is, everyone, when you tell people. Listeners, you do a podcast, come check it out. Yeah, come check out Stand Up New York Labs. Like Laker was saying, everyone has a, a podcast. But like a year ago when he did someone's podcast, you're like at a kitchen table, you know, while they're like, their sister's like cooking, like Thai food in the kitchen. And now I, I've everyone's never got been studios. i a place where the sister's cook, cooking Thai food. Well, you've missed out. But yeah, no, no, this is great. It's a beautiful, uh, beautiful room. This is beautiful, man. And there's like, like nice, like microphones and stuff. And it really feels like you're doing something real. Yeah. It's not like a Radio Shack <laughs> mic. Those are the best. I had one of those. It's like, this is the weirdest shit I've ever done. This is like something from like 83. When you'd watch like MTV and they're like, hey, get the Mr. Microphone. I did a podcast with, you know, Giannis and Nate for like yes. two, two, year, two, three years, something like that. And for the first year, we just had this like snowball it mic was- that you get from the Apple store, right? And we didn't even, we would always record it on uh, Nate's computer. He had like a Dell or some shit like that. And, <laughs> Which are the worst. And we, he never changed the input. So the whole time we were actually just using the shitty Dell laptop mic. We were never <laughs> even using that just mic. <laughs> so it just, you know, it sounded great. And it was a huge success. <laughs> You're the best, baby. I love you. All right. I also love our old friend Dustin Chafin is now officially Yay. on as a guest. The great Dustin. Yeehaw, what's up? Thanks for doing this, my Thanks brother. Thanks for coming in. Thank you, you guys. You have man. an interesting tale. The tale, I do. I think we all have something. 
Isn't know? that the beauty? That's yeah. the best thing about these people in this business. Yes. It's interesting people, you know. Most people, not that interesting, you know. I'm sure like the staff at Staples or, you know, most jobs, like regular office jobs. Yes. People don't really have those dark stories and journeys. But I feel comics always have some weird shit, you know, like Mark's a cop and, yes. you know, this guy's that. And, you know, I feel like, I don't know, I just think it, like Aaron Berg is a stripper. Was and, a stripper. Yeah. We will have like, him in. They yes. all have these interesting things. So let's talk about this. All right. You grew up in Texas. Yes, born and raised. Describe your family life, please. Uh, wow. Uh, dad was a um, used car salesman. Uh, before that, he sold fire alarms uh, and trailer parks. Like Because we lived in a trailer park in Kilgore, Texas. And he'd uh, sell it. Because uh, trailers were known to set fire pretty sure. easily. So there was these big, like... Um, almost like school bells that were like fire alarms back in the 70s. And they'd be like, dang, 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 dang. Like there was any like sort of smoke. They would just so bang, 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 bang. Like and you know ring. the shit's Yeah, then up. you know your fucking trailer's on fire. By that time, you're dead. But <laughs> So he sold those trailer to trailer and then eventually got into uh, selling used cars and stuff. Think about and, that uh, as a business, though. That is the most yeah. unique business I've ever heard. Yeah. What do you do? I sell uh, fire alarms door to door. Are you... <laughs> Oh, yeah, and get this, to trailers. What the fuck? That's so great. <laughs> Trailer parks. So, uh, yeah, we went from uh, Kilgore, Texas, and then moved to Wichita Falls. And then uh, my father owned um, the Chafin Downtown Lounge, which was uh, started out as a regular bar. Okay. And um, he had that. It was a, basically a kind of a biker hangout. A lot of the guys, the Scorpion, some of the Hells Angels, a lot of guys would come through there. And uh, through the years, we started losing business. So one night, um, one of the biker chicks, uh, old ladies, got up and uh, started taking her clothes off. Just and, out of nowhere. And I'm like five years old playing pinball <laughs> in the bar. And then she's like taking her clothes off and taking everything off. And then she turns around. I remember seeing this as a kid. And her whole back had like 50 cigarette burns on her back. Because that's how you in initiate uh, an old lady in certain biker in gangs. In biker gangs. Yeah, they have sex with her. They have sex with Everybody in the gang has sex with it, And then they put their cigarette out on their back to kind of mark their territory. Like Zorro. Yeah. That's very short-sighted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's old lady I, for life. I mean, I'm sure it's Can't like, walk away from that. It's a lot of fun to put the cigarette out. I, yeah. I got That's got to feel great. And everybody, you want your buddies to do it. Yeah. Now you got this cigarette burn chick. <laughs> yeah. Dancing naked on the bar. First have sex Does every biker smoke? Do you have to smoke? Absolutely. Like, what if you don't smoke? Oh, what I've if never, you just chew I've gum? Never, never right. met a biker that didn't you smoke. You can't put an e-cigarette out on this. No, I think it'd be great. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I quit a month ago. I just chew gum. Can I put this trident on our back? Like, <laughs> Dude, you're ridiculous. riding bikes and pillaging they, the cities. Like, I, I don't think, think cigarettes is that big a deal to you. What do they do for the men to initiate? Uh, Probably murder somebody. Oh, God. Yeah. That's so intense. But uh, so, yeah, so this thing turned into kind of a biker titty bar. And when I was a kid, and, and that's what eventually it was a topless club and like biker hangouts. And my dad, you know, carried a gun all the time and always had guns in the house and crazy shit happened. And he was a kind of half bouncer and half, you know, whatever. He was a boxer when he was a kid. Okay. So, and his grandfather was a boxer. So the fighting thing was always there. So anyway, it got kind of crazy. And then my father ended up, you know, my mom made him kind of get rid of the business. And then we moved to... Dallas, Fort Worth. Dallas. Yeah. But now as he's owning this biker titty bar, yeah. stripper bar, whatever you want to call it, and you said you're playing pinball as the first stripper. Yeah. You didn't know. So 
as it's made the transition, are you still hanging out there? Can you still go and hang out? You know, well, eventually like my mom it? caught wind to the, yes. you know, some old lady showing her bush to like a five-year-old. And yes. I think she figured it out. <laughs> but, but that's the thing. I feel like my whole life I saw way too much, way too early. Way too early. Like that was, yeah. You're hanging out with Hell's Angels yeah. and learning about initiations yeah. before you probably yeah. knew how to do math. Absolutely. Think before about I was that. able to process anything positive, it was always negative shit. And my dad was a serious drinker. My mom was a serious drinker. They were always fist fighting and stuff. And they were getting fist fights oh, with absolutely. each other. Absolutely. In front of you. Absolutely. Just maniacs. And how, now let me ask this. So you said always negative energy. Yeah. Now, as a young, as a five-year-old, let's start with the biker shit. Can okay. you tell that was negative when you were a kid, or did you find that intriguing at all? It seemed cool. You know, motorcycles were amazing to me. Yes. We always had motorcycles in the family, dirt bikes and shit, so we'd always go on trips and ride motorcycles. So the idea of motorcycles was cool, but these, these guys, you don't know people are bad until you get older. You don't realize that, you know. Well, how about, what? like, uh, friends, friends' parents? You're like, wow, this is a very different household than what I'm used well, to. Well, that's who we're getting to. Okay. Yeah, I think that's where the Mormon thing comes from. Ah, yeah, okay. but it's like, but yeah, my dad, you know, he sold coke, you know, through the businesses, whatever business he was in, he embezzled coke or like smuggled coke smuggled and stuff. Smuggled coke. Yeah, stuff like that. So it was always like cocaine and drinking and craziness in my family. But you didn't know what cocaine was till nah, when? Nah, later, you know. Later, later. Yeah. But that almost fucks with you more. Like, uh, I've, I've mentioned it a little bit. I could talk over, like, uh. My mom was involved with some heavy drugs, and you knew some shit was going on in the other room, but you didn't know what it was. I thought it was maybe yeah. weed. I get older, and I realize there's fucking narcotics. There's heroin being done and dealt, and I'm just, just sit here and watch Grape Ape, and I'm watching Grape Ape. wonder why 10 random people just walked in, and they're all hiding in a room. Yeah. And later, when it, you realize what that is, I don't even know if it yeah. really affects you as a kid, but then you get older. Even in your 20s, you, you put one-on-one together— and then it almost retroactively fucks up your childhood, if that makes sense. Yeah, you know? I've mm. just hung out in those houses and seen the kids in the other room. You know, like you're hanging out, you end up hanging out with some sh like shitty people. Yeah, and you and you and you're like, it just just like crazy, like you know, like drug house. And then there's kids just like watching Nickelodeon, and it's and you're like, oh, those kids are good. Now I know what happened to those kids. It became, right. <laughs> I was because you wonder like, oh, these kids are fucked. You see, it, like it feels that way. It's you very tough. Yeah. You feel, yeah, you know, but it's like, what are you going to do? This is these are the people that sell drugs. They have they have families. Yeah. <laughs> they, they do, man. But when you're in it, it becomes like a natural thing. I remember we bought my mom a pipe for Mother's Day to smoke weed in. And right? how old were you? Uh, probably seven. Seven. And it's like we didn't think about it. I mean, that was my brother's. We got her a pipe because she always smoked weed in this orange, like a uh, lazy boy thing. And like she, you know, so it was like just natural. Like I thought everybody's mom smoked weed and a lazy boy. And so, you know, she's smoking. She took me to Led Zeppelin when I was seven and like just different. So some things were cool. You know, I started to kind of get that rock and roll culture around me and stuff. But, you know, but you didn't you didn't realize that your parents were fucked up all the time when you were a little kid. You don't no. know. Okay, and Led see, Zeppelin the, when you're seven, yeah. how much of that is worth, like, that's worth a lot. It like, is, is that, is it that? Is. <laughs> it is. It, is. It's, it got me laid through the years, yeah. I, like, how much, like, how much do you think, five-year-old titties I think are good, and Led Zeppelin at seven is pretty awesome. Yeah, I peaked the rest, early. The rest yeah. of that stuff, kind of rough. Do you feel like there's any evening out of like, well, I got this out of it? Yeah, I was on TV at five and six too, so it's the whole thing. Was oh, yeah, because like, yeah, I was a boxer, so like they uh, put me on like the. It was like you know local 
TV news or whatever, but they used to have a commercial because I was Golden Gloves boxer. When I at five, I started boxing, wow. and I remember they had a commercial. It was the most amazing thing. It was like it was like a sports commercial for the uh, yeah. local like the Wichita Falls, Texas newscast, and they would show Muhammad Ali, and then they would show me right after Ali. Wow! Because it was like to the greats, to the next greats, and it was like this little thing, wow. and I'm swinging my eyes closed, just hitting some guy at five years old. The gloves are bigger than my head. You How- see him being the bouncer at your dad's place. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How good is that for your ego? You're five or six on television, and the guy you're on TV with is, you know, the greatest, greatest of all time. Yeah, exactly. It's nothing big. It was the greatest. It was great. I would say this. If I leave this studio today and drop dead in the middle of the street, and you put everything I've done compared to fucking Dustin at five, <laughs> when did you get laid? If you got laid by five, then fuck you. I'm walking. All right? Then you've already beat me at five. This is um, You're in overtime no, right now. Just finger banging at 12. No, finger no. banging at 12. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's the closest I got. That's, that's pretty good. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right, so... All this is going on. Yeah. Now, how many brothers and sisters you got? I got two older brothers, um, two half brothers. Okay. My mother was uh, married twice before, and okay. then my father pretty much raised me and my two older brothers, and uh, you know that was it was good though. He was a pretty good like. The thing is, is like it was. I come from a fucked up kind of environment, but my father was. You know, we were taken care of usually. You know, it wasn't like a, a weird thing where it was like, you know, nobody was taking care of. There were some strange things like he he coached our soccer team. I remember when I was 10 and uh, then he just wouldn't show up. So I would just be on the field with all these fucking t- Who's coaching? 10 year olds. And I'll be like, yeah, uh, yeah, I guess we'll run some drills. You know? <laughs> it's like the Bad News Bears. Yeah, it was. It was. Absolutely. So there oh, was some, there was some scarring things. But, you know, I always had a roof over my head. And did they ever just had nice clothes and shit? You know, did they ever just leave you alone? Like, would oh you yeah, come home from school and they not oh, show my up parents for six never, never there. I raised them. I mean, I was in the house from probably ten years old on by myself all the time. Maybe nine, and well, my brothers would be there, but you know, fucking fourteen year old and sixteen year old, they're chasing. Right? Yeah, they don't give a shit. They're not, you know, they're doing banging girls in the other room and stuff. And so we had, you know, a microwave and a freezer full of food, and that was it. Is that where you learned you to know? cook? People don't know this. Dustin, a master chef. <laughs> he's, a, he's an outstanding. He's fed me many times. No, I've learned to cook from ex-girlfriends. That's mm. one thing. I think you have to pick, you know, take a few things from your relationships. And those are some of the Recipes. key things I've taken. How to eat pussy and how to cook. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> those are things you should take. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, relationships, you should be like a DJ. You, you sample the good parts and make your next record with it. That's what I like. That's very good. So, now let me ask this. Your brothers now, do they start getting into drinking, oh, drugs, absolutely. and that? My brothers were maniacs, too. Whole thing, full drunks, crazy. I remember my father, at this point, he had a, a car dealership. My my parents go out of town, and he had a Jaguar that was like, you know, he was going to sell to a, a client. To a client. It was a really nice Jaguar. And uh, my parents are out of town, and my brother got the keys. And uh, on. Yeah, he went to this place called the Start Club, which is a big, big club in Dallas at the time. Stevie Nicks and Grace Jones owned it. <clears throat> and so he gets the uh, Jaguar, and he's driving, and he's drunk as shit, and he rolls it and explodes like a movie. Mm-hmm. Like it just, he, he jumps out, and it just explodes on fire. And my parents are still out of town. He's trying to cover it up and all this stuff, saying somebody stole Holy it. Holy shit, like he's oh, Lee shit. Majors or something. Yeah, I mean, he's yeah he's in jail right now. I mean, it's like he just couldn't, couldn't ever get out of that, you know. But yeah, he's, you know, it was crazy shit like that. My brothers are maniacs. Beat the shit out of me all the time. That's one. That's one way I learned how to fight. Boxing was one thing, but just 
My, I have no fear of big men because my brothers are big dudes because they're half brothers, so they're real stocky and big. Yes. I'm kind of the runt, but, you know, they beat the shit out of me all the time. But crazy stuff. Well, I remember we used to do this thing. We had Doberman Pinschers, huge dogs, right? Big yeah. ones, too. And they would do this thing where they would uh, they'd put me on the Doberman when I was a little kid. And uh, we'd do this thing called riding Bronco, where they would tie my hand to the collar of the dog and put me on the dog and then put like one of those, you know, those flapper hats that rednecks wear? Certainly. They'd tie that to the dog's head and then get like a piece of meat and run through the house. So the dog would be bucking and like trying to get the meat and I'd be trying to hang on to the dog and eventually just drag me across the house. (laughs) So they were good brothers, man. They were good. Well, luckily luckily it was a trailer. (laughs) Yeah. Well, at this point it was a house, but. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, we upgraded. Once he got into cars, we started making a little more money. Wow. Yeah. So now, do you think, and we'll get up to when you started converting and all that, do you think because your brothers are becoming these hellions and they're beating the shit out of you, did you feel like, I don't want to be like them? Was that an uh, initial? Absolutely. Yes. I mean, I I started realizing that early. You know, I feel like I felt like Texas in general and the people around me and my family, yeah, it just seemed like... Um, yeah, it seemed like I was just didn't want to be a part of that. I wanted to be more artistic. I wanted to do something more. I wanted to see more. And I did not want to be like these people. I did not want to at live what, in this at town. At what age did you come to that conclusion? <sighs> Probably junior high. Okay. You know, seventh, eighth grade. I started kind of getting more into art and fashion people and like discovering other things. And, you know, I remember in high school, I got the New York Times, you know, every, in high school. every, every Sunday because I just, New York was one place I always wanted to be. I said, as long as I'm in New York City, it's going to be better. Because you could be you. I just had to get the fuck out. I had to get out of Texas. Well, yeah, and you brought up something. You were rebelling against what you're around, and you said the word Texas. And I know you are a proud Texan now. Sure. But I find that interesting because what you mean by that is what? Everyone being trying to be a cowboy, being a big muscular hunt, not being cultured maybe? Is that what you're kind of insinuating was the attitude that was around you at that point you know i i think we all kind of draw from different things sure. you know what i mean like it's like i i love texas but i would never live there you know i love parts of it but i hate parts of it you know what i mean it's kind of like it's kind of like a, a hip-hop a hip-hop guy or something where he he might embrace part of where he's from the hood yeah but he's happy to get the fuck out yeah but he's yeah but he's happy to be paid by white people or whatever you know so like we f- we find a way to kind of integrate ourselves into other things but i don't know i just had to get out of texas i just had to get out of that mentality that i had to no diversity i had one black guy in my high school yes you know i mean basically it was just not enough there was just you just get bored and what are you going to do in texas you know like there's dazed and confused it's a, it basically it's nothing you if you're not a drinker you, you kill yourself if you're yeah. not if because that's all there is you know there's a walmart there's a sonic burger there's torchies tacos <laughs> don't sleep on those Ooh, torchies <laughs> but that's it that's it real quick i was in texas only once austin i they everyone talks about barbecue yeah. Tacos everywhere. You go to Olive Garden and they have like tacos on the menu. It's uh, the most insane thing ever. I'm so sick of hearing about Austin. Austin is not Texas. Austin is Bleecker Street. Whoa! <laughs> Shots fired. You have, it's we not have Texas. Austin it's li- not Texas. No, it's, it's not. It's a, it's a delusion. It's not. That's not what Texas is like. If Texas is like that, I'd still be there. Yes. Like it's just <laughs> it's just one street. It's it's not even that big a street. And it's a college, you know. Basically, you're just—it's the energy of the college that makes that place kind of exciting and music oh, and culture. There. 
desert. But yeah, but that's all. It, the, Texas is not like that at all. all like right. that's a very small part of it. There are some cool. I'm going parts to Waco. Texas. I'm going to now do a week in Waco, and I'm yeah. going to come back and do the comparison. Well, my cousin's playing ball for Baylor, so I'll get you tickets. How good is that, huh? Mm-hmm. This guy. Yeah, yeah, we were talking about yeah, doing talking great. About all right, so let's focus back on this. Okay. And just so you know, I'm enjoying the shit out of this. This is fucking great. Yeah. This is some real <laughs> shit, okay? And I'm cursing a lot. I shouldn't, but who gives a goddamn? All okay. right. So now you start running in with your friends' families, and you see that life can be different? Just um, junior high? Junior high, you know, it was junior high. It sucks, you know, that okay. kind of thing. And then I got went to high school. High school started kind of opening it up a little bit, started kind of meeting you know, more artistic people and different things. And because in my high school it was pretty much, it was the rodeo team, which is a real thing. All wow. like real redneck rodeo guys that rode bulls. I mean, you could letter in rodeo. Like that was part of like curriculum. Like, you know, it was like football or anything it's else. a rodeo class. No, like a team. Oh, a team, but like- yeah, like state champions, like a big thing. <clears throat> then you had football. And then, huge, obviously. Yeah, then you had, you know, just regular people. And then I kind of, I was kind of in the middle of everybody. I was like, half my friends are like Depeche Mode kids. And then the half was kind of <laughs> football and a couple of red, rednecks didn't really like me that. The, the hardcore rednecks, the rodeo guys were kind of intimidated by me a little bit because I was kind of a cow punk. Well, I'd wear like a cowboy hat, but I'd have like eyeliner on one eye. You know, I was, I was a maniac. So it was like, it was kind of this rock star weird thing because I realized early, probably Led Zeppelin, that you could use, if you weren't like, a chiseled fucking you know jock you could use the elements of rock to get girls yes you know use bands and music and you know that kind of thing to kind of get girls to get interested in you look like a rock star kind of act like one talk about music you know that kind of thing was then i started realizing that that was an avenue that would help me get girls was just kind of you know be different Yes. You know, be kind of stand out a little bit, you know, use use those elements of rock and roll to get laid, you know, instead of like was was the purpose to get laid or kind of create this identity figure yourself. Well, it's a natural thing. You don't know why you're doing it, but it definitely helped with girls. You know, they're definitely just. Yeah, but it's you know, it's just basically you're just exploring yourself. You're finding new artistic identity about yourself. And then, you know, music is that is the one way to do that. Certainly. I mean, it was for me. Yeah, definitely. Like. If you go and you, like eyeliner in Texas, like that to me, that would definitely be a gold mine with the women because it seems like oh, absolutely. Like you say, everyone is a cowboy or playing or wants to play for the Dallas Cowboys, yeah. and it's the same flavor. And you got vanilla, you got chocolate, and then all of a sudden you walk around. Y'all ever try pistachio? And yeah. it's like, let's jump on this you shit. Let's hair, try this shit. You got hair like Michael Hutchins. It's it's Ooh, a win win. An in excess reference. It's a win win, yes. dude. <laughs> They but want they, something different because they can always go to Joey Bob Briggs, yeah. the fucking tailback. Exactly. But let's go with Bowie's bastard right. son over here. That's an go. interesting night out. Chris. No, I'm just saying, like, the chicks weren't just looking to get, like, with the rodeo quarterback or whatever, <laughs> you know? Like, you a lot think, were, yeah. You got to get the, oh, but there's, like, a couple of cutters hanging around. Yeah. A it's couple of the cutters. cutters. That Ali Sheedy. Yeah, yeah, you always you gotta, try, you got to you try to find the damaged chicks. You got yeah. you to gotta, you gotta fish with some eyeliner. that's the bait we don't have rubber worms we have eyeliner and that's how we get the big fish so what are you gonna say Ben no I was gonna say it's a smart move it's like supply and demand like there's so many of those rodeo football jocks the girls like this is one guy here let me try this these guys are always gonna be here yeah I like it good strategy gotta be different man you gotta like take take it to another level (laughs) get some eyeliner we'll hook you up (laughs) our first live podcast Everyone has to wear eyeliner. That's okay. what we're going to do. I like do. it. I like it. So when do you now 
start making the move against that okay. and going into so, the LDS. So we're church. in that we're in that element, and then oh, there she was. I can still see her hair blowing in the wind. This little girl, Erin, from Utah. Was walking through. Uh, actually, I met her at a. Uh, we used to go to an underage dance club called Monopoly's Park Place, and it was like the whole thing was. <laughs> it was. It was a. I uh, used to hang out at Candyland, just <laughs> yeah. so you know. So. No, it was cool though. It was it dope because it was a regular dance club on certain nights, and certain nights it was underage, you know, like under nineteen or whatever. It was like a full Monopoly board and like big, huge dice, and it was hilarious. But it was a. It was a real dance club, DJs and everything. Was there been night called Ventner Ave? <laughs> <laughs> so uh i saw this girl beautiful blonde girl from utah and she happened to go to my high school and i you know i was eyeballing her at the club whatever i met her there at the dance club eventually started dating her and uh yeah man it was started with the uh, vagina it'll make you do a lot of things you know even and when you're was, not actually getting it yeah because she ain't putting it out right well not at first you know that was uh you got a mormon girl yeah, it took a little bit of coaxing, but uh, it was, yeah, it was definitely one of those things where it's like she rebelled a little bit with me because I'm usually the guy that you bring home to piss off your parents. Sure. I've been no, that with the Jewish girls. Right. I've been that with different, you know, I'm always that guy that, you know, it's like, oh, mom, you want me to date a doctor? I'll bring this guy home. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, and we don't have any black guys in this in, in this city, right? So yeah, we only have one black well, guy. I understand yeah. it. Yeah, I've definitely been the black guy, you know, as close as they can be. But uh, so I started dating this girl, and she was Mormon, full-on Mormon, had a couple of Mormon friends, and they were serious, and I had, I'd never experienced this, and they would, they would do seminary before school, they would, yes. go, they would go to uh, Mormon classes at five o'clock in the morning. A lot of devotion. Yeah, five o'clock in the morning, and they would do the thing, and then they would go to high school, and I don't know if Hebrew school is similar like that, but I don't know if you go that early and then go to regular. It's pretty early, but it's all in one. It's all in one thing, thing, yeah. And so they would do the Mormon thing, and then we go to high school. So it was like you know, and they would just there was like these you know basically just this two girls that were the Mormon girls, and they had friends from other schools that they would hang out with on the weekends. But yeah, it was just you know, so I started kind of get introduced into this Mormon culture. I and I didn't go into it right away i was just the boyfriend that wasn't a mormon and i was dating this girl fell head over heels for her, whatever we were together and uh you know eventually it started getting kind of weird i started taking her to the dark side okay. you know we eventually you had sex but having sex with a mormon is weird because it's great but then there's a lot of crying afterwards there's some guilt <laughs> i've been with some jack mormon girls and as much as they like drinking and cursing yeah. and yeah. watching american psycho with you yeah. They still are in their head that they shouldn't be doing that until there's a ring on the finger yeah. and guilt seeps in right, right before the coming. Right. I think it's right, right. before they come. Uh, that's like yeah. when you're with a hooker and then the money doesn't really factor in your head until right when you're coming. Yes. And then it's like, fuck, 200 bucks? I don't got that, man. Yeah, it, it felt great in theory, but now that it's over this quickly. Yeah. yeah. It's like, hell, fuck it, I don't give a shit. And then it's like, oh man, I'm gonna burn. Yeah, you have to walk yeah. after that. That's the real walk of shame. <laughs> like, I just paid for this shit. I probably could have just banged this fat girl that keeps poking me on Facebook. So, uh, yeah, so I didn't convert right away, but... The family kind of took me in, and my father was uh, Pentecostal at the time, because that's the thing with my family, a quick history, it's like, my father would always, like, usually when, like, a business would go down, or he'd be broke, or lose money, he'd find God. Like, that was always, like, we had moments in our lives where 
when everything was going well, he was making money, he was drinking and cocaine and da da da. But when that all went to shit, he would find God. And then once he got back on his feet, he would go back to doing that shit again. So it was always kind of a, you know, just contradiction of everything. Like he was always, it was always God when he needed him and then no God when he didn't. Sure. So there was a lot of that going on. But at this time, he was Pentecostal. I don't know much about Pentecostals, but they hate Mormons. (laughs) And I remember I was just dating this girl and and I was curious about joining the church, but I hadn't quite done it yet. And, but my father would have preachers in the house, like, cause I was living with my father at the time, just me and him. And, uh, I would come home and there'd be a preacher just sitting there with a Bible waiting to kind of like talk me out of Mormonism. And he'd be just sitting there on the couch. I'd come home from school like, eh, and just be this guy sitting there, this preacher with a Bible open with like, you know, scriptures highlighted and like, you know, this is, you know, Mormonism's a cult. And my father would leave me clippings from Billy. It's like Gr- an exorcism. Yeah. Right. My father would leave me clippings from like Billy Graham, like on my, on my mirror, you know, something Billy Graham said about the Mormons or, you know, just, Unbelievable. I'd get books, wow. you know, Mormon is Satanism. There'd be a book just laying on my bed about how Mormonism is Satan's work and all this stuff. So it's like my father really started getting crazy about the fact that I was interested in this Mormon thing. And it's like he would he was trying to, you know, do everything he could to kind of get me to to sway from it. So this so that part of that, because I always had such a love hate with my father that that opened up kind of a like a fuck you to him. You know, it's like you raised me like a fucking animal. And then, you know, now you found God. And then now this is just, you know, these are just people that are good to me because her family started really opening up to me. And I eventually ended up living with this girl in high school. I'm living with this girl and her family and they got kids and everything. And the whole thing was, you know, it was the first time I'd seen a family that actually ate together, you know, actually talked to each other. The food didn't come actually, out of the microwave. Yeah, actually turned off the TV, actually had game night. You they know, so, make people ride dogs around. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it was like, you start getting, you start getting, you know, caught up in that a little bit. You it know? felt nice. Yeah, it felt nice. It was like very Hallmark family, Norman Rockwell kind of, you know, so I started getting a little bit of that. Do you, and, do you think your dad was hurt that you were finding this real family and then blamed it on the Mormon thing? It could have been some of that. It could have been a little bit of both. You know, I think, I mean, our relationship's always been strained, but yeah, but you know, he just, he just liked the excuse of being in control that he knew what was right, you know, and that's how a lot of these like Christian people are. They just like what they say is right. And the Mormons are like that too, but, but there's a little more of a, you know, manipulative kind of way that they bring you in at this point. It's not a, like, it's not an attack. Sure. You know, so so I lived with her. We had our whole thing. Ended up having sex with her. All this stuff, and uh, then we eventually, uh, you know, I I got baptized when I lived with her. But it was a weird baptism. They did the whole body, don't they? The whole body. They baptize you, and then after we baptized, even a couple of days later, I started having sex with her again. She got really whoopsie because I wasn't supposed to do that, and she got all guilty and whatever. We eventually broke up, and so we broke up, and then I was working for a Mormon guy at the time and uh, and his daughter was kind of friendly with me and I ended up dating another Mormon girl and it was basically my boss's daughter and I ended up friendly with them or whatever and um, same thing I moved in with, their, with, with her and her family so now I'm living with another family and another girl that I'm banging and you know and it's like a weird thing because we're kind of hiding on the low and then I'm like thing and all that we ended up getting caught by our mom she caught us having sex and all this stuff and then we basically they were just like you know you need to change your life go on a mission 
and that was the whole thing. And and I remember you're fucking too much. You need yeah. to spread yeah. the word of our religion Dude, in Africa. This Mormon gig sounds like such a good scam. <laughs> oh, it is. You're getting jobs, you're banging chicks, and then they let you live there. And they're like, oh no, you're banging my daughter. Go to exotic places. You get three square meals and conversation, and yeah, you get to play Candyland before you go hang yeah. out at the Candyland Club. And then let me back up a little bit. Please. Um, so. <clears throat> So before I got baptized, there were uh, two missionaries that I met with. And these guys, um, they really made an impact, you know. And the thing is, a lot of these Mormon guys, you see them in the street with their name tags and their bicycles and stuff. And, you know, they are sacrificing a lot. You know, there's been pro basketball players that, like, stop their career, you know. Or Sean guys, Bradley. Yeah, yeah, there's guys that just, they, they really sacrifice a lot to just, they're really committed to this cause of, you know, proselyting around the world and bringing this message to people. So these guys... Um, you know, Elder Christian was his name. And he, you know, he really had an impact on me. He was a really cool guy and really like related to me and, you know, the whole problem with my father and the thing and made me feel okay with it. So I had a strong impact on the act, the missionary himself. Like just being a missionary seemed really exciting to me. Like the fact that he was, you know, sacrificing and doing something that seemed of, of worth, you know. And so there was that impact that was on me. So just the idea of going on a mission kind of was starting to kind of circulate in the brain. I was just like, this seems like this would be something fucking cool. Go across the country, do something to the world or whatever. And so eventually I ended up going on a mission. And um, I... Uh, How old are you at this time? Um, Is it usually 19? 19. I'm a little older, though. I'm almost 20. Okay. Because I'm not from the traditional, you know, Mormon situation because I'm a convert. Yes. So... Um, so yeah, I ended up uh, getting my call to the Canary Islands in Spain. In Spain. Spain. That's where I was originally supposed to go. And uh, here's the funny part about that. So I ended up uh, going to the Missionary Training Center, and that's where they teach you Spanish. In Provo, right? In Provo, Utah. Yeah, that's where they teach you Spanish. They teach you how to like mm-hmm. convert people in, in Spanish or whatever language it is. <clears throat> and so I'm in that for two months. And then uh, I had some visa problems. And so they told me, uh, we're going to have to send you back to Texas to wait on your visa. So I, so here's the, the hilarious. They didn't realize what was happening. They sent me back to my hometown as a missionary. So that's never happened ever. This is <laughs> ever. Great. So ground. usually what they do is they send you somewhere like in Utah. Then you wait. You get your fucking visa to Sweden or wherever you're going. But they sent me back to my hometown. So I leave. So I'm there, rock and roll, long hair, motorcycle shit. And And then I go back. I'm on a Huffy with a fucking name tag and a tie. White collar shirt. Short ass hair. The fucking message, Book of Mormon in my hand. You're trying to convert people who are buying Coke from your dad two years earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the whole thing is hilarious. So I I would see people that would know to recognize me and stuff. And the whole thing was, and my mom, we weren't supposed to see your family. You're not supposed to see your family at all in that two years. It's a huge sacrifice, the two two years. years, You're not supposed to see your family at all. And my mom would just sneak over to my apartment that I was staying at and bring me food and talk to me and stuff. And she was cool with you going. Yeah, she, she was, was cool. cool. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, I've been, I have a lot of Mormon friends, and I used to, there was a great point in my life where the only time I went to church was Mormon farewells and coming, and when they come back from their missions. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a big deal. It's very emotional. Did your family, who showed up for your farewell? I mean, my mom was, uh, I don't know, I wouldn't say she was behind it, okay. but she loved me enough to just let me find myself. You know, she didn't know quite what was going on. So anyway, I'm in Texas, and I get sick. 
and I have this prostate problem. And uh, I go to the doctor and like, it's, you know, I don't know what's going on with me and I'm in the hospital and stuff and I'm in Texas. And then the doctor, you know, does some tests and different things. And then basically it, it boils down to, I need to masturbate in order for this infection to come out. So, so basically they're just, you know, they tell me I got to masturbate, whatever. Well, this is a cardinal sin against right. Mormons. You're not supposed to masturbate at all, especially as a missionary. See, I didn't know that was part of it too. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. What kind yeah. of racket and are we running here? And now uh, you were banging chicks though. Were you buying into the whole no jizzing policy? Uh, okay. I, well, here's the deal. I banged chicks. And that's how it's written in the book. Just, you know, we have a no jizzing policy you need no, no. to sign. Very straight. No, no, no. Here's the thing. I was supposed to be banging chicks. And basically, I, you know, confessed of everything I did. I had to go through like a year process of, mm-hmm. of being good, being holy, going through the temple. Like there was a, there was a process that I might have skipped that. But So you felt, so you did feel bad about hooking up with those? Like, oh, absolutely. Oh, okay. Absolutely. So there was a process before I left. I didn't just, I wasn't yeah. just banging some chick at the airport and then just go on a mission. <laughs> it was like, they basically, yeah, there was a process before that where I got clean I got holy, I got focused. And so it was basically, that happened. So I'm ready to be a missionary. I'm ready. I'm, I've gone through the yeah. temple. I'm ready. I'm, and, you're, and you're not jacking? No. At all? No. I'm not doing anything bad. I'm, a, I'm totally committed. I'm 100% in this. It's, you know, it's basically, this is my life. And I'm giving myself to God, and I'm ready to be a missionary. I'm ready to proselyte and spread the message to whoever wants to hear the message. And that's, yeah, so I was a good missionary. But my past caught up with me, and that's why I'm having prostate problems. And so, <laughs> <laughs> dirty, dirty pussy. So, so I'm having this situation. So the, the doctor, that, I swear to God, that's the doctor's orders, jerk off, masturbate. And so I have to tell. Does he say, son, son, what you going to have to do, boy? You going to clean them pipes? Call me in the morning. <laughs> so basically, I have to tell um, the other missionaries what's happening because we have like what they call like uh, zone leaders and people, it's a structure, you know, it's like you have people that are over you that kind of, you know, make sure the other missionaries are doing their job and nobody's, you know, making out with girls and everybody's on the straight and narrow. So basically I tell these people and, you know, they're like, dude, you can't masturbate. And I'm like, well, this doctor said I could have an infection. I could die. Like if I don't, you know, whatever. I have a doctor's note. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have a doctor's note so, to jerk off. You don't understand. This got high. This got to another level. So basically what happened was, um, so this went to the missionary president in Texas. And so then he he knows about this. He knows that if I, you know, it's, there's this dilemma. If I, there's a moral code. And, a, and a, you know, this thing that I've promised to God, and then there's my health. And so this goes all the way to Salt Lake City. This goes like all the way. Board. And when Huge. I say it goes to Salt Lake City, I'm talking like, like, the, like the equivalent of the Pope. Right. The equivalent yes. of the Pope in Salt Lake City. Has to so, look this over. So, because they have it set up like, you know, uh, basically they have like a pro- a main prophet and 12 disciples. They get it all set up just like the Bible. So there's like the main prophet, all the disciples, all these like high end, the, the top of the top Mormon council is basically praying over whether the fact that I should be able to masturbate or not. So, so the, this is like a prayer cancel in the top of the Salt Lake City Temple about whether sketch. I should be able to masturbate or not. Because I'm a missionary and is this is good this is good for my health so I need to be able to So anyway, so they 
they they do the praying and the thing. There's phone calls are made and there's all these things. And eventually they come to the conclusion that it's okay for me to jerk a couple off because it's tell for, the kid it's, it's okay it's to get it health. out. Were you allowed Just to use one. porn? No, no porn. <laughs> no, no porn. All straight up imagination. Straight up imagination. Yeah, and I was gonna ask be, that. They have to be clothed. You can. Oh, I enjoyed it. Think about it. I enjoyed it. And uh, so, but the, but there's a circle of missionaries. Yeah. That know about this. So they hate me because it's like out of 5,000 missionaries, I'm the only one that has the legal right to jerk off, you know, and the sanctity of the church. Well, you get one or it's like for well, a week. Just, I don't know. It was a couple of weeks. I was, jerk, I was jerking off as long as I felt like, hey, I'm still sick, you know. <laughs> You're like the kid who's like parents brings McDonald's to lunch and it like – yeah. My grandma would do that every once in a while. She couldn't. Oh, something happened. She couldn't make. Oh, that's hilarious. Make lunch. She'd my bring mom it, would do that. My and mom I get would pulled over. My mom would do that. Yeah. And grandma finally got a call. She only do it like three times a year. If that's like the other kids aren't having McDonald's. <laughs> you you were having McDonald's. Yeah. So so that was happening. And, that's missionary uh, McDonald's. I want to hear the twelve of them arguing over this. Oh, that's, that's hilarious. But it's his health. Funny. But what about God? Yeah. The kid could die. <laughs> but also for someone like you, it's like, well, put it on my tab. Like, what's the difference yeah. if I waste like 4 million sperm cells or 4.1? Exactly. <laughs> I like that there just the idea of like people, like, a, like there's phone calls. There's like a guy at a desk like with his phone, like, <laughs> like with a white I guess phone. the kid can jack it. I, I don't know. I mean. Did you get like a notice in the mail? <laughs> no, nah, I just got like a Pass. meeting, like a you know you're you're in a meeting with the missionary president and everybody, and like and they're holding hands and praying and talking and yeah, it's all that stuff. So, so yeah, so that's what happened in Texas, and uh, you know after about five thousand jerk offs, I got better, and um, then my visa came in, and the day of, I'm I'm going to Spain, Canary Islands, most beautiful place in the I'm world. I'm sure it's great. You know, so I'm like so excited. I'm finally going to Spain. I'm finally going to Canary Islands. Nobody even gets to go there on vacation. It's so expensive. I get to fucking live there. And then all of a sudden, I get this 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 piece of paper that says, Justin Chafin, da da da. You you're going to Santiago, Chile. <laughs> and this is the day of. I'm leaving, and I'm like, What do you mean, Santiago? They call I'm it an audible. To, I was supposed, yeah. <laughs> I said I was supposed to go to Chile. I was supposed to go to Canary Islands. What are you talking about? They got the the Salvador Dali thing there, and all this stuff. And I'm so excited. I've read up all. About it and studied it, and then it was just like Santiago, Chile. And I flew on a plane that day and had no idea I was going to Chile, and uh, showed up in Santiago. And uh, it's nice there. It's yeah, it's pretty cool. It's no Canary Islands, but it's nice. I was well, I ended up being on an island, which kind of made up for it. But <laughs> uh, yeah, it was uh, yeah, it was it was quite an experience when you're a convert because it's like a lot of these Mormon kids that grow up in Utah and Idaho and stuff. It's like their whole life has been prepared for this yeah they're ready for it you know when they're 17 and 18 and 19 they're ready to go and so it was a transition where i'm just kind of like i go from this crazy kid to the crazy family to now i'm out now i'm in santiago chile everybody's speaking spanish i'm in this thing and uh yeah it was overwhelming but the mormon church is very it's very well structured in the way that they set everything up you know, they always have you in twos, two missionaries, and they sit yes. you up in these meetings and things. And so it, the transition was was good. You know, I ended up being with a pretty cool uh, partner at the time, 
my missionary companion, they call it. And, uh, you know, the first, you know, couple of weeks and then, then I was just Chilean missionary and then I'm just there, I'm in it. And I'm just, you know, basically walking around, go, hola, como esta? Tenemos un mensaje de Jesucristo. And we're talking to people and I'm, nobody's, you know, I'm speaking Spanish. And Are you telling me you were quoting Jane's Addiction songs? <laughs> <laughs> intros to Jane's Addiction? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, buddy. So yeah, so then that, and then you just basically you're just talking to people and you're fucking proselyting and meeting people and just trying to get them to and listen how, to your message. How long were you there for? Uh, two years. It's a two year uh, mission. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, we got to start uh, winding down because okay. uh, the schedule day. Uh, okay. Wrap up real quick. Yeah. And so I ended up. Um, they ended up uh, putting me on an island as the Isla de Juan Fernandez, which is uh, nicknamed the Robinson Crusoe Island because this guy Alex Sirklerk was a guy who was shipwrecked and abandoned there. And he uh, he was on this island by himself um, for four years, and he lived there with a Bible and a fish hook or something and like lived off the, lived off this island. That's a one-two punch. He ended up going back to England and told his story, and then Defoe, I guess, wrote Robinson Crusoe. And so, yeah, so the whole you know uh, story of Robinson Crusoe came from this island. I was on that island for about a year. And basically, that was you know. There's 250 people on this island. It's off the. It's off like, uh, Valparaiso, like 200 miles off the coast of Chile, kind of near those Easter Island, you know, yeah, the big heads no, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's kind of it's in the middle of nowhere. And I'd wake up and we'd plant banana trees and like you know just basically just talk to the same people over and over and over. Like we how don't want to convert. How many? How many, <laughs> yeah, how, many, how many wins did you get, man? How many Mormons did you make out there? I was pretty good. Yeah, that'd be a high batting average there. If there's was, 250 people on the, the, the well, island. That wasn't. I mean, I was in other places in Santiago. They were, it was more successful on other places because the people people saw the Mormon Church as a lot of times people would baptize through the Mormon Church because we'd be in a we'd be in a town like in a, a rural part of Chile when it would just be you know huts and just nothing there and we were, you know the Mormon Church is the only place that had a soccer field it's the only place that had food yes you know so it's a lot of times they would just come to us because they saw it as money they saw it as like the Mormons will take care of us so I baptized probably about fifty people wow yeah. Wow. Still probably a great batting average. You probably are one of there's the Ted one Williams. Or, there's probably two people I still keep in contact with. Really? Over the years. Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that great? Are they, and they're still Mormon? Yeah. Well, one of them is, yeah. Ah, and and, but you're, do they know that you're not? Yeah. But they're, yeah. How did that happen, yeah. the, the leaving it? Uh, so I basically, I came back. I went to uh, BYU-Idaho, which is kind of like my grades weren't as good to get into uh, Utah. So I went to the Idaho school. And I uh, went there for a year, and then uh, it was, I wasn't that good there. I ended up banging a chick there, and it started kind of like, you know, I started just— Old habits. Yeah, old habits. And then uh, I came to New York City, went to Parsons, and got it here. And uh, I went to church for a while, you know. For my first two years of college, I went to the church here in Manhattan. And um, then I just ended up fooling around with girls, and eventually— uh, I don't think I've been officially excommunicated, but, you know, I've been revoked my, you know, rights to go to the temple and all that started being revoked and I had a council meeting because of my sexual activity. And so they pretty much. So they kinda, found out about it. Yeah. They kind of put me on probation. And then I just kind of said, I'm done with this because eventually the doctrine itself started kind of being like, eh, I, I, st- I started to stop believing by the time I, you know, got to college and just was like, ah, you know, this is I, my beliefs in God and all that started changing. And so. 
I eventually just left, and uh, then I found a little thing called stand-up comedy, and, and that, we all know how that, that is. That became your church, baby. <laughs> that became my church. It's a church for a lot of us. Because that's what it is, you know? And I think the whole thing in general is like it's a tribal thing. You know, we all just want to be connected to somebody that, that, that gets us. And I think that's what the church was. And it was, you know, it was a bit of rebellion against my family. And like, I didn't want to be like these people. And I felt like that's what got me here. You know, like that journey of like Mormonism and all that crazy stuff got me to explore being in New York City, being a stand up comic, all those things. I think I think that's a big instrument in getting me to where I am right now. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. We all go through a lot of trials, tribulations, pain, and you look back and it hurts but you realize if you didn't have that, you wouldn't be where you're at now. I mean, you, you had a, a very interesting childhood, some rough shit that you saw. Would you change it? Um, maybe. If it meant you wouldn't be doing what you love now. Well, I, would, I mean, I can't change it. So, yes. I, I, you know, so it's like I, I've learned to use those things. Like he was saying about Led Zeppelin, like there's certain, there's certain elements of my childhood that if I hadn't had a crazy atmosphere, you know, maybe I wouldn't be who I am. And so probably not, but you know, there's definitely, uh, well, therapy helps. Therapy you know? does <laughs> help everything, doesn't it? What a journey. Uh, I wish we had more time. Uh, I've never done this on the air. Open invitation. You want to come back and tell more stories? Absolutely. Uh, this was really great. Uh, love this dude to death. Just so you know, Benji, uh, me, Chris, and, uh, me, and uh, me and Chris used to work uh, Dustin used to do a late night show and gave us stage time when no one else did. So there's a lot of kinship and love here. So it's so good yeah, to have you both here, man. Is. Let's get to the plugs, man. Uh, plug plug away, my brother. Uh, How people find you, baby? You hit me on Twitter at Dustin Chafin. My website, DustinChafin.com. Also, hear me on Hick Hop Radio. Uh, Mondays at 4 p.m. PNC Radio with uh, Kyle Grooms. Host that. You can check my website for my calendar. Uh, be here at Stamp New York, Comic Strip, all the clubs in the city. Thanks for having me, Matt. Man, awesome. It's a lot of fun. Love you, brother. Love you. Bench! Personally, the best of BS on Twitter. You guys know this by now. But Stand Up New York Labs, we're, uh, we're Blowing expanding. It up. We're doing some cool stuff. Check out all of our podcasts. We have a special promo code for our fans. Put in Lust on the website. You get uh, half off tickets. Also, we're going to start having shows in this cool room we guys were telling you about. Uh, long form storytelling, some open mics, some live podcasts. So definitely, definitely hit us up. Check it out. We got a lot of cool stuff happening here. Beautiful. And come to our main show downstairs, Stand Up New York. You got there, right, baby. You'll see the kid here sometime. Lake Show, plug it, baby. Uh, just you know, <laughs> at Chris Laker on Twitter and uh, everyonecansuckmydick.com. <laughs> and what about your show? You have a podcast. That's yeah, terrific. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, go, just go to my web, or chrislaker.com. They both go to the same place. But the show. It's, the, it's a it's great show. It's called The Show. Yeah, it's Show with Chris Laker. It's Live pod, podcast. It's podcast, uh, Cave Comedy Radio. Outstanding. Uh, if you go dot .com, if you go there, you can find it. Or on iTunes, you search me, it comes up, so... Can I, do, can I do one more plug? Yeah, baby. Since Canadians think this is the best show on the <laughs> planet, I'll be a Yuck Yuck Comedy Tour from January to February, Alberta, Calgary, Toronto. So check me out, Canada. Oh, awesome. Shit, shit, right. baby. That's how it is. Uh, at Mad Dog Matter on Twitter. Mad Dog Matter Facebook. Dude, if you got suggestions, my people, for guests, ideas, criticisms, I don't care. I'm a man. I can handle it. You tell us. I mean, we're here for you. Do us a solid. Spread the word, man. We changing it, man. And sp support all other shows on Stand Up New York Labs, man. Like I said, this is like Def Jam in 84, baby. All right? And I'm LL. I'm walking with the fucking Panther, okay? <laughs> support us. Give it love. Uh, and just remember, man, this is what it's about. We're a forum for you to come up here 
and tell stories and for you to sit at home and listen to these stories, man. These are journeys that we're all going on. Embrace them, man. And darkness sometimes leads you to the light. That sounds almost cheesy, but it also sounds like a talking head lyric. So I'm okay with that. Uh, So until next time, my people, God bless. We'll see you next week. And I'm here to remind you, we're all worth a million in prizes, baby. Woo! We're out, baby. Woo! Damn, I'm fired up. God damn it. Woo! Come on. 